So we are continuing our study in Daniel this morning, and we're going to wrap up this study in the next three weeks. So we're going to go three weeks, and then we have a missionary guest, uh, Tim Monahan, which is not really a guest. He's been here many, many times, connected with this church for over 40 years. And then after that, I'm going to do a little two-week series uh, right into the starting off the summer called Culture Shock, and we're going to deal with kind of being a Christian in this culture, how we respond to the culture. So that's going to be in the beginning of June. So that's kind of where we're going. But today, Daniel chapter 10 begins with a final prophecy and vision of Daniel, and it was communicated to him by way of an angel. Now, it, most theologians agree that chapters 10, 11, and 12 should all be one big chapter. One of the things you have to know about the Bible is obviously it's words from God, but man added the chapter and verses so we can find things. So sometimes the chapters aren't like split up that well. So, you know, sometimes there's unnatural breaks in the scriptures and you'll we'll see that today. But chapters 10, 11 and 12 should be one big, long chapter. But I don't think we're going to go over uh, what's like 70 verses today. What do you think? No. OK. OK, good. So we'll keep it a little shorter than that. And uh, so as we'll see uh, this week and the next final two weeks, chapters 11 and 12, Daniel will receive a repeat in really greater detail of the kingdoms of the world in regards to the statue image. Remember our statue and beast image in chapter 2, chapter 7, chapter 8. So today in chapter 10, the focus is actually going to be on spiritual warfare. It, or in other words, the angelic realm, or as the New Testament calls it, the heavenly places. Now, one of the things that you have to understand when it comes to the scriptures and when it comes to life, it's not just flesh and blood. It's not just here and now. There are, there are spiritual realms. And the truth is, is if you say there are no spiritual realms, basically you're, you're negating most of the scriptures because the scriptures are about the spiritual things. But the question is, and we'll see today, is about angels. Have you ever wondered about angels? I mean, around this time of year, right after Easter, right around Easter, people always writing books about it. There's like little exposés, like an angel visit. And, and, uh, where are they? What do they do? Where do they come from? If there are angels, do they have the evil counterpart known as demons? Well, the truth is the scriptures do teach about angels and demons. And in, in some, it's something that we as believers need to be aware of because they have an impact on our spiritual lives. And I want to call attention to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. This is the New Testament. Apostle Paul wrote this. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on a whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So when you read this, you're like, well, I remember early on in my ministry when I was a youth pastor, you know, we went over this, the spiritual armor, and some kids like, this sounds like Star Wars or something. And I was like, it kind of does, right? It kind of does when you say like a spiritual authority, forces of evil in the heavenly places. But the truth is the Apostle Paul is teaching us that there's spiritual warfare going on in the heavenly places, which is a term for the spiritual or the unseen domain. So ultimately, the one who rules the spiritual world is the Lord. And that's why the Apostle Paul urges us to remain strong 
And the first step, really, the way that we remain strong in the Lord is actually trusting in the Lord, trusting in what he's done for us. The truth of the gospel message is we are all sinners that need a savior. Jesus is our savior. He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. Three days later, he rose from the grave to prove that he's God. And the scriptures teach us that all who believe will have eternal life. That's the first step to standing strong in the Lord, like the apostle Paul says. But now in Daniel chapter 10, it's actually two years after chapter 9 that we studied last week. And that was the whole 70th week answer to Daniel's prayer. And in this chapter, what's going to happen is we're going to get a little glimpse into what spiritual warfare actually looks like. And here's the big idea. Here's what we're going to learn today. We're going to learn that angels are ministering spirits that assist God's people to do his work. Angels are ministering spirits to assist God's people to do his work. So if you're wondering, what's the purpose of angels? What do angels do? Like, this is what they do. This is what they do. They assist God's people to do God's work. So in Daniel chapter 10, we're going to see this start off. It says this, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel who was named Belshazzar. Remember, his name was changed under Babylonian rule. And it says this, and the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. So remember back to the Babylonian Empire, it fell to the Medes and the Persians. That was the next empire. Now, under the decree of Cyrus, the Jewish people are no longer in captivity. So chapter 9 was 68 years of captivity. Chapter 10, now we're two years. Captivity is released. 50,000 Israelites are going back to the land. Now, interestingly enough, Daniel doesn't go back. He's actually 85 years old. He does not go back. The text never tells us why he doesn't go back. Most theologians believe that it's probably because he still had work to do in the Medo-Persian Empire. God wanted him there, so he didn't go back. So although the Israelites are out of captivity, they would be faced with great conflict. Okay, It wasn't going to be an easy road. It wasn't like, okay, they're out of captivity. Everything's good. They were faced with great conflict, and Daniel's concerned. Daniel's discouraged. So here's how Daniel responds. It says this, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for a full three weeks. Now, these are regular weeks of days, not to be confused with uh, Daniel chapter 9. So they're weeks of days. And Daniel's reason for abstaining from good food and drink is because he's in prayer and he's mourning. Remember, uh, a few weeks ago, I talked about how Daniel, when he went to prayer, the first thing he did was he removed distractions so he can focus his attention on appealing to the Lord. So here's what happens. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Upaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning. His eyes were flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. Now, most believe this is an appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ. Remember, Christ didn't come to the earth yet. So this is a, a, an appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ. 
And why many believe this is in Revelation chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, the, the, um, the description is very similar to this. So we have Christ standing before Daniel. And then it says this in verse 7. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision. But a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So a similar occurrence happened again in the New Testament of this, like when Christ appeared. You remember in Acts chapter 9, Christ appeared to Saul when he was on the road to Damascus, and that's where, you know, he became a Christian. He actually got saved. Well, a similar thing happened. Those people didn't see Jesus, but they all ran too. There was like a great trembling. So now, here's what happened. So Daniel is alone before the Lord. It says this, So I was left alone and saw this great vision. No strength was left in me. My radiant, radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. So here, Daniel's by himself before the Lord. Now, this is important for us to note, because in life, when it comes to our spiritual lives, others can help us. Others can encourage us. Others can teach us. Others can be there for us. But the truth is, the one who really knows us, the one who knows our hearts, and the one who can expose our hearts is only the Lord. I mean, we can fool people all day long, right? You can fool your wife. You can fool your husband. You can fool your kids. You can fool your coworkers. You can fool your friends. Everything's okay. Everything's fine. I'm focused on the Lord. But only the Lord really can expose us and really knows who we are. So my challenge to you, knowing that, is that don't get caught up in living to please others. Get caught up in living to please the Lord. And guess what will happen? When you get caught up in pleasing the Lord, others will be pleased. Others will be blessed because anything the Lord asks you to do is going to be a blessing and a help to other people. So Daniel was used by God. He's before God, and God is communicating to him, and he's encouraging him to continually go and live for the Lord. I mean, we've been studying Daniel. I mean, 85 years of his life, this guy has been a godly man. So then, at the end, Daniel's response is, passes out. Right? He pass, he's so overwhelmed by what's going on, so he passes out asleep. Now, in this next verse, I believe there's a transition. And I believe the transition is someone else is actually there. So let's look. It says this, And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. So Daniel's passed out. We don't know how long. But he says, Behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. So some believe at this point the hand was actually Jesus reaching out and touching Daniel. But I believe this is an angel. It could be Gabriel. Gabriel appeared to Daniel twice, but I think it's unlikely because the other two times in Daniel when Gabriel appeared, they named him, okay? He was named. Gabriel came. So if this, in fact, is an angel, we have to assume this is an unnamed angel. So if, in fact, it's an angel, it's an unnamed one, but notice Daniel says this. For a couple of reasons, I'm going to give you as we go along why I believe it was an angel and not Christ speaking at this point and, and the hand touching him. The first, he says, a hand touched me. 
Most agree that if it was the Lord that touched him, he would say, his hand touched me. So as we continue on through the passage, I'm going to give you a couple more reasons, but let's go on. It says this. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard and I have come because of your word. So let's break this down. Like Gabriel's greeting, he identifies Daniel as a man greatly loved. But then he says, I was sent. Now, one can argue that the father sent the son, right, to die for us. But it sounds to me like this one speaking, the angel speaking, was saying, I was sent. He was sent by the one that appeared. So that's one of the reasons why I believe it was definitely an angel. So then he goes on to say why he was sent. And it was because Daniel humbly prayed to understand what God was doing. Remember, people were delivered out of captivity, but there was still a lot of conflict. So Daniel, godly man, is appealing to God, God, what's going on? So he's, he's humbly praying and asking God, what's going on? But notice the one speaking says, you humbled yourself before your God. He doesn't say before me. He says before your God. So again, that's another proof positive why I think this is an angel speaking. Now, you see, it's important to note that one of the jobs of the angels was to carry answers to prayer or carry out in a supernatural way an answer to prayer. Now, there's an account in Acts chapter 12 where Peter is put into prison for preaching the gospel. I don't know if you remember this, but the church started praying, praying for Peter. And Peter got broken out of jail by an angel. Okay, Peter's asleep. He, somebody hits him. And it says an angel hit him and said, Peter, get up. You're out of jail. Okay, that's a great, great deliverance story, right? So this angel was commissioned to go and do this. So it's well within the character of God to send an angel to answer prayer of a believer. Now, the question then we have to ask is this. Does stuff like this happen today? Because this is where it gets like, you never know what's going on, right? People are like, oh, this person wrote this book, or I saw this show, and they're talking about angels. Well, my answer to that is, if it happened in the New Testament, surely things like that can happen today. Which then forces us to ask this question about angels. What if someone says, they were visited by an angel or says an angel told me to do this or that. So what if you have a friend, a family member and said, I was visited by an angel. And you're like, okay, dude, whatever. You know, you're like, or they say like an angel told me to do this or that. I mean, that's where our mind goes, right? When people say stuff like that, you're like, okay, this is a little strange. Well, here's the simple answer. And then I'm going to break it down a little bit. The simple answer is this. Angels are ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. So what this is saying is angels are there to minister to us. Those who inherit salvation, Christians. So angels are there. So yeah, we have to believe that, you know, there's something going on. So if what the angel does is minister, encourage the believer, then great. Yeah, it was an angel from God. If, if it was an encouragement, if it brought glory to God, if it helped 
yeah, okay, if you come to me and say, I was visited by an angel, and this, this, and this, you know, I'd be like, okay, you know, this isn't consistent with the character of God. But this is where we have to be careful. Because in 1 Corinthians 11, 14 through 15, it says, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. So now we have to ask this question. So if somebody says, I was visited by an angel, but the angel told me to like, push that person down, okay? The angel told me to go and do something terrible to someone else. Like, I would say, no, okay? That is not from God. So how do we test? How do we test? We test by basically looking and saying, is this consistent with the character of God? Meaning, is it to help, to encourage? Does it point people to give glory to God? Or does it lead people down the wrong path and down into sin? If it's consistent with the character of God, I will agree. Okay, yeah, that could have been an angel. I have an illustration. My youth pastor, Matt Mickleck, this stuck with me for years. It still has. Uh, he spoke here in church at one point some years ago. And when his oldest son, Zach, was, was like five years old, they were in a stadium watching a game, and the son started to have a seizure. Never had a seizure before. Matt, a young father, didn't know what to do, scoops the kid up. And, you know, he's in a stadium. So if you can imagine 40, 50, 60,000 people, he's in a stadium, scoops his son up who's having a seizure, running out thinking, like, I got to get to the medics to get this kid help. And he's praying, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me. And all of a sudden, he says, somebody grabbed him and stopped him. The guy grabbed him, stopped him, said, I'm a doctor. I can help. So he's like, okay. Brings the kid down to the floor. The doctor calms the kid down, and then the medics from the, the, the uh, stadium come. He said, you know, everything was, uh, they were tending to him, and all of a sudden, you know, they got him stabilized. He turned around, and that doctor that stopped was gone. And, you know, Matt said, I, I really, truly believe that God sent an angel to help me. And, you know, when you look at the situation, you could say, oh, that was probably just some doctor, like, you know, and, and now he wanted to see the rest of the game. <laughs> so, you know, he just, uh, peace out. But, or you can say, yeah, God sent an angel. But regardless, when you follow the reasoning now and look, Matt gave glory to God for what had happened. An answer to his prayer happened. And Matt gave glory to God. He didn't give glory to the guy. He didn't go praying to angels. He said, God sent his angel to help me in my time of need. Now, here's an interesting verse. Hebrews 13, 2. This is the New Testament. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So what this passage is telling us is they're there. They're there to minister. You'd never really know. But the test is, is it in line with the character of God? Is it aiding and assisting and encouraging believers? So now we get back to Daniel. It says this. This is the angel still talking. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for the days yet to come. Now, there's a lot here, but for me, 
This is really the clincher why I believe this was an angel speaking to Daniel and not Jesus speaking, because he was detained from coming to Daniel to answer the prayer, and he needed help from Michael, the archangel. Let me just tell you this. No one can detain Jesus unless Jesus allows him to. Remember when Jesus was being crucified? He allowed that to happen. When he was delivered up to Pilate, he said, hey, listen, the only reason why you have any authority over me is because the Father who sent me has given you that authority, and I've allowed that to happen. So the language here in the verse suggests that this angel wanted to come to Daniel but was detained. So now we have another issue. Who in the world is the prince of the kingdom of Persia? Who is this guy that can, can detain an angel? Like, what is going on here? Well, it seems to be that since angels are dispatched by God to minister to help believers, demons are dispatched by Satan to empower people that have evil intentions to do wrong. Do you remember way back in the beginning of Daniel? And it was right around the time when Putin was sending troops in to... to um, to attack Ukraine, remember that? And I made some comments about how this is like, like the powers of evil kind of are working here. Well, this is spiritual warfare. No one works the evil that they work without some empowerment from the spiritual forces. It's just the truth. It's what the scriptures teach. We read in Ephesians 6 in the passage, spiritual warfare is not just flesh and blood. It's something that's going on. It's something that's going on. Now, the question becomes this. Why would this evil angel want to detain a messenger of God? Well, the answer is Daniel was being used by God to communicate to his people. So, of course, Satan and his demons would want to discourage him. Now, notice the angel says that he was sent to inform Daniel what would happen in, in future events. So, Satan and his demons want nothing more than confusion. They don't want God's people to know the truth. They don't want people to have hope. They, they, remember, Jesus actually said this. The devil comes to steal and kill, but Jesus comes to give life. Now think about this in your life. When you're discouraged, when you're bummed, when you're ready to give up. Some of those things could be a direct result of spiritual warfare. That first song that the girls uh, picked out, that you say I am loved. That's a person saying, repeating God's promises. Because guess what? Satan wants you to feel shame. He wants you to feel guilt. He wants you to feel like you're unworthy. He wants you to feel like garbage about yourself. That's what he wants. Because for the believer, Satan has no other control. He has no control over our salvation. He can never take that away. We're God's. But he can discourage believers. And you know, for me personally, I find that anytime I'm kind of like a little off, like I'm a little bummed out, discouraged, feeling purposeless or anything, I can always connect it back to my spiritual life. I haven't been reading enough. I haven't been praying enough. I haven't been focusing in enough on the Lord. And that's where, you know, Satan and his demons try to get in and try to discourage. What are you doing? What you're doing doesn't matter. You know, like people don't care about God's word. People, you know, these things that you start to believe, which are false, can discourage you from doing God's work. Remember, angels are ministering spirits to assist God's people in doing God's work. So Daniel, this godly man that we've been studying for weeks and weeks and weeks, right? He is God's man to do God's work. And of course, there's going to be some spiritual warfare going on to keep him away from doing that. 
So Jesus tells us this as believers. He says, watch and pray. Watch and pray. So you don't fall into that temptation. That's what Daniel's doing here. We're studying his prayer. So then it says this. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, and I said to him who stood before me, O oh my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. So now Daniel's overwhelmed. He bows his head, doesn't speak, and it seems like Jesus again. One who's like the children of man. Remember, Jesus' favorite term for himself was the son of man. In Daniel chapter 7, Jesus is referred to as the son of man. So it seems to be that Jesus touched him. And if this, in fact, is Jesus, he reaches out, touches his lips, and gives him strength. Then Daniel speaks to the angel again, but calls the angel Lord, which is probably a term of respect, like when you watch those medieval movies and they come into the king, they're like, yes, my Lord. Okay, that's probably this term of respect like sir or ma'am. He says this. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touch me and strengthen me. Daniel, still overwhelmed, straight, states that he doesn't have the strength. Jesus touches him again, gives him the strength. The angel speaks again, and he said, Oh, man greatly loved, remember, he uses that term for him, just like Gabriel did. Oh, man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. Remember, this is the job of the angel to encourage. And he spoke to me. I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. So Daniel, like I said, still overwhelmed. And he goes on and he says this. Then he said, do you know why I've come? This is the angel speaking. Do you know why I've come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. When I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. Now, this is interesting. So now the angel's like, okay, I answered your prayer. I'm concluding here and telling you, now I need to go fight the spiritual battles again with the prince of Persia. And after that, the prince of Greece, remember our little statue? Remember it was Babylon, Medo-Persia, Grecian Empire. Prince of Greece, again, evil forces behind the Grecian uh, Empire. But then he says, the only one that contends with me is Michael, the archangel, which if you study the scriptures, you'll find out Michael is the prince of Israel, the one who is to guard and protect Israel. So then something interesting happens, and this is where those chapter divisions kind of mess things up a little bit, because we're going to look at chapter Daniel 11, verse 1, the next verse. And this is the angel saying, he says, As for me, in the first year of Jarius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. What in the world does that mean? Well, let me ask you a question. Does anybody remember what happened in the first year reign of Darius the Mede to Daniel? Remember, Darius was the one who a decree went out. A decree went out, and the decree was, if anybody worshipped anybody except for me, you will get thrown into the den of lions. Remember Daniel? This angel, as for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. 
Let's look at Daniel 22, 6.22. Because Darius, remember Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. That night he had a terrible night. He's like, oh man, my friend Daniel's getting chomped on by lions. So he wakes up the next morning. He runs to the den and says, oh, Daniel, are you alive? Are you still there? And look what it says. My God sent his, what? Angel to shut the lion's mouth. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. See what's happening here? This angel was that ministering spirit that showed up for Daniel all those years ago to close the mouths of the lions. Angels are ministering spirits that work and assist God's people to do his will. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're so thankful that it's not just flesh and blood. There's so much more going on. And we're thankful that you use us in your plans and in your working. I just pray, Lord, for each person here. I pray, Lord, that you would just encourage and strengthen them, that they would not let the spiritual warfare get to them, that they would not be discouraged, they would not feel worthless, that they would believe what you say 